Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. Well, we're going to come around the Word today. And um, I don't know if you noticed, there is a bit of a theme flowing through our service today. And we, we hadn't talked with one another um, about what we were going to share, but um, from the worship from Olivia's communion, Pastor Shana's uh, message around uh, out of worship is all about freedom. And uh, my message today is related to that as well. And I just believe God wants to set you free from some things, to leave a lighter from this place and to, to just leave with joy in your heart. So let's start with the Scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. I wanna preach a message to you today that I've titled Strip It Off. Strip it off. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, don't do that, right? Uh, strip it off, right? Strip it off. Hey, who's, who's enjoying a bit of sunshine of late, right? Like today's not working for us, but like the rest of the week, it hasn't been too bad. We've had a couple of 24 degree days and, and I was saying to the first service, I, I love the winter. I actually, I actually enjoy the rain. I know I'm a bit weird that way, but... Even I'm like, you know, we've had enough now. You know, the, the grass is wet. Let's uh, have some sunshine. So I've been enjoying that. And, you know, normally around this time of year, when you get into spring, um, there are a few things that change. Uh, for example, you know, the flowers start coming out. The trees get a bit greener. Um, we even change the things that we wear. We trade our jumpers for T-shirts, our jeans for shorts. And, and we may even change a few habits. Uh, we tend to be a little bit more active this time of year. We're not hunkered down at home, but we get out, we go for walks go for a run. We might even uh, take up going to the gym. In fact, they're probably gyms are super busy right now. And I remember a few years ago, uh, that's what I did. I decided, you know, I'm going to, uh, it was a spring a couple of years ago and I thought, you know, I'm going to get really as fit as I can possibly get. I just, I don't know why. I just felt like, you know, let's, it's just time for get serious. And so I enlisted the help of some people in our church. There's a great guy in our church called Tapu and a big, Big guy, right? <laughs> Huge guy. And he, he's just got such a soft heart and he, he's right into fitness and other things. And so I enlisted his help and he gave me a bit of an exercise program and a, and a meal program as well and said, you know, you've got to cut out the carbs and the, and the ice cream. You've got to replace it, you know, with broccoli and rice and sweet corn, right? I'm like, oh, this sounds fantastic, right? Anyway, um, so I started on this regime and I, I was locked in. I'm telling you, I was, I was determined. I was motivated. I was getting up six times a week, going to the gym. I was eating super clean. All my meals were planned out. And I was about six weeks in. And I was feeling fantastic. I was feeling, you know, lean and, and was sleeping well. My skin was clear and, and I was feeling good. And then um, it got up to a long weekend and we had planned this month before to go on a driving holiday to Melbourne uh, just with the family. So we set off on this holiday and um, I don't know if you've ever driven from Adelaide to Melbourne you pretty much get on one road and it's just a straight road the whole way there. And so we're about, you know, halfway there. Um, takes about eight or nine hours. And just driving on a straight road, you get bored. And I don't know about you, but when I get bored, I get hungry. I look for some snacks. 
And uh, so did my family, they were hungry too. So we decided, well, let's pull into this town on the way. And we have to pull in this town and we pulled up right outside a bakery. Now, I, I have a bit of a soft spot for baked goods, right? Like I, I love a good bakery. I love a good chocolate donut. I love a good vanilla slice. You know, an apple turnover. I love a chocolate eclair. You know, I'll, I'll have, you know, the bees thing. Yeah, I'll even go the rock cake. Like I don't care, right? I'll have whatever you're offering up, like a, a warm scone, jam and cream, come on, right? Like I, if, it's, if it's baked, I'll eat it, right? I love baked goods. I love the smell of freshly baked stuff. My, my daughter, she's, she loves to bake. And um, the other day she was making some cinnamon scrolls, right? Oh, so good. Like come in the door. I'm like, this is heaven, man. This is amazing. I, I reckon that's what heaven's gonna smell like. Baked goods, right? It's so good. And she made waffles yesterday. And oh, it's unbelievable, right? Like Norwegian recipe waffles. Oh, they're the best, right? But I just love it. And, and so here I am, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been eating like perfectly clean. I've been like really motivated, locked in. So we pull up outside this bakery and, and I'm faced with a dilemma, right? I'm like, well, you know, what am I gonna do here? You know, I've gotta try to resist this temptation. And I'm proud to let you know, church, that I did resist that temptation for about 30 seconds, right? And then, <laughs> and then this little voice come into my mind, this little voice and said, you know what, Tony? You have been working so hard. You have been so good. You have been doing your absolute best. You know what, Tony? You deserve one of those cakes. You deserve to reward yourself with one of those cakes. And I answered that voice and I said, you know what? You're right, I do deserve one of those cakes. And I have been working very hard. And so I went into that bakery. I said, give me the most sugary, fattiest bun you've got. And I ate that in that bakery and it was delicious. And I enjoyed every last bite of it. And then I left that bakery and I said to myself, well, that's good, I've satisfied that craving. I'm gonna go back to eating super clean again. We're all good. Well, I'd love to tell you that was the case, church. But I can tell you, with all honesty, that the next day I had another cake and the next day I had another cake and it kept going on until eventually I walked into the baker and they said, just the usual, Tony, here you go. Now, I was just like, I fell off the healthy bandwagon <laughs> and I, uh, you know, my, my spirit was willing, but my flesh was weak, right? But, but you know, I, I, I had every good intention. I had every good intention, but to, to, to remove, if you like, what I thought was unhealthy, what was unhealthy to me. And, you know, but then I found myself so easily taking it back on. You know, some call it like the yo-yo effect, up, down, up, down. And I was thinking about this recently and it occurred to me that, you know, we don't just struggle with this outwardly, physically. We can, we can also struggle with this internally, spiritually, where we, we're stripping off that which is unhealthy for us, where, where Christ made a way to live in freedom, to, to strip off the, those heavy things that can weigh on our heart and our mind and our spirit, like the heaviness of fear or anxiety or depression or comparison or even just the negative thoughts that we have about ourselves. Christ came for us to live free of that, but isn't it interesting how often those weights can still keep coming back on us? Even though Christ came to set us free. You know, when I have some downtime, 
uh, one of the things I, I do enjoy to do is I, I enjoy watching Formula One racing. All right? um, I have a bit of a passion for cars. I don't know if I've ever shared that before, but I do, I do love cars ever since I was young. Um, I used to be fascinated by, when I was really little, I'd point out a car and my dad could tell me exactly what make and model it was. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then I realised it's not that amazing when I got older. But anyway, um, but I love cars. I love cars. I love modifying and playing around with them. But I haven't done that for a few years because, you know, got other priorities, got married, got had children. Anyway, um, but, uh, <laughs> but I live vicariously through other people on YouTube who do that. So that sort of scratches that itch for me. But I love cars and I love racing. If you were to say to me, you know, Tony, what, would you, what other job would you like to do if you weren't doing what you're doing? I'd say I'd love to be a Formula One racer. Right? There's just something about it. I love the engineering. I love the ingenuity that goes into it. I just, um, I just think it's amazing. And if you follow it, you realise that they, they spend, you know, a lot of money and they spend a lot of years and time developing these cars and the bits and pieces on the cars to make them go as fast as possible around a track, to perform at the absolute best. But what every racing team understands is that it doesn't matter how amazing and powerful your car is, that the thing that will stop it from performing its very best is weight. And they spend hours trying to cut that weight down so it can reach its full potential. They'll even um, carefully measure how much fuel they put in a tank and they'll measure it out perfectly so it's able to do the exact amount of laps in a race because they don't want to have any excess weight. Even an extra litre of fuel can slow that car down. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is the same thing can happen to us. When, when we're weighed down with the weight of fear or anxiety or depression, comparison, all those negative things that come on us, it stops us from being able to reach our full potential. It holds us back from being able to run the race that God has set before us. You know, there's many, many different weights that can weigh heavy on our heart that we could talk about today. But there's one particular one that I, I as I was preparing, I just felt the Holy Spirit uh, place on my heart to, to share around today. One particular weight that I think it, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God, we, we deal with this from time to time and it's a weight that certainly the enemy would want us to pick up. He certainly keeps trying to put it on us. And it's the weight of condemnation. This weight of dealing with the guilt and shame of the mistakes we've made in the past. I know I've struggled with this at times. And what I've noticed is when you struggle with this weight of condemnation, it can wreak havoc with your relationship and intimacy with God. I know from my own experience, when, I, when I've had that weight come on me, it's, I've struggled to engage in worship. I've struggled to you know, enter into God's presence. I've started to think that God, God doesn't wanna bless me. I've stopped praying for things because I thought, well, God's not gonna answer my prayer because you know, I'm, I'm more deserving of punishment. Maybe God doesn't even want to be around me, even question like, God, surely you don't love me. And instead of being full of faith, I find myself full of fear. And that fear causes me to, to slow down, to pull back, to actually pull away from God and certainly not be able to step into the call that God has for my life. And so I, I understand, I, I know how debilitating this weight of condemnation can be. 
But that's why I wanna address it today. Because here's something that I am absolutely certain of. Something I am fully convinced of with my whole being is that God doesn't want you to live with that weight a moment longer. In fact, He sent His Son to set us free so that we don't have to. Romans 8 verse 11, it's a great verse. It makes it super clear. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says, when you give your life to Jesus, when you accept His offer of salvation, make Him Lord and Saviour of your life. From that moment on, it says, now, guess what? There is no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. And I want you to be convinced of that today. It's It's not, well, maybe that's the case or possibly that's the case. No, it's a promise. It's a promise from God when you give your life to Him. Now there is no condemnation. You can live completely free from the weight of condemnation, all the negativity and all the guilt and shame that comes with that. You know, I believe that that one of the roots of condemnation can be the thought that our performance determines how God feels about us and therefore how He wants to treat us. That if we've performed badly, then God will be angry with us, that He'll be upset with us and He won't want to bless us. He won't want to be around us. He will want to hold that thing against us. But I wanna tell you, church, nothing could be further from the truth because how God feels about you has never been influenced by our performance. It's not to do with how we well or badly we perform, instead, how He feels with us has always been influenced by His unconditional love for us. And His unconditional love means that even if we perform terribly, even if we fall short of the mark, and we all do, that the way He feels about us, the way He wants to be in close, intimate relationship with us never changes. And this is seen no more than in the Gospel. Ephesians 2, verse four to five, it says, but God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, even though we had fallen well short of the mark, we had performed badly, still He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. God saved us, not because we earned it or deserved it, We'd all fallen short. I was a filthy, rotten sinner. We'd all fallen short of the mark, but He saved us because of His great love for us. You know, one of my favourite things to do as a parent is just watch my kids play sport. And uh, I used to play a lot of sport growing up and a bit competitive. And I remember the first time actually I saw my son play soccer. He plays soccer and basketball. And, and, uh, you know, I thought, I'm just going to be, you know, one of those pretty just, chilled out parents. Well, I got a surprise, right? <laughs> I was just, I was like, it was like I was on the field. It's like, give me the ball. I want to score the ball. I was like very, I, I am, uh, I do hold back yelling out, but I, inside I'm yelling out, right? <laughs> um, and uh, so I love play, watching them play sport and, and um, they're both pretty good at sport and they're pretty athletic and things like that. And so they, they do really well in the sports that they play. But on occasion, like 
even professionals do, they have an off day. Things don't go as well as they, they could. They don't perform as well as they could for various reasons. Now, when they have an off day, we'll get in the car on the way home. I, I might turn to them and say, you know, how did you feel you played today? You know, what do you think you did well? What do you think you could do better? All right, because I, I want them to do their best. But I tell you what I never do. If they have an off day, I'll never get in the car with them and I say, you know what? You played rubbish today. You played well below your best. And because of that, I'm not even sure I wanna be around you. I'm not even sure that, I, I'm, you know what? I'm not even gonna help you. I certainly don't wanna take care of you. And I'm actually even questioning whether I love you. Like if I did that, I would be a horrible father. Yet often that's how Satan tries to deceive us into thinking that how God reacts to us. When, when we don't perform at our best, which we don't all the time. He wants you to think God's up there going, you know what? You didn't perform your best. I don't love you. I don't wanna be around you. I'm not gonna help you. Don't bother coming to me. I wanna disown you. But God's not like that. Instead, the truth is that no matter how you perform, it doesn't change for a second. His desire to be close to you, His desire to take care of you, His desire to bless you, His desire to wanna use you for His glory because that's how much He loves us. Actually, let, let me show you some things. Let me just go a little bit deeper because I, I want you to walk out of this place feeling freer today. I want you to be able to strip off this, this weight that comes over this, this heaviness that comes over us because I understand how debilitating it can be. And I, I pray the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. Let me show you something amazing that Paul writes in Ephesians 1 verse 4. He says, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Now look at this, even before He made the world. It doesn't say after we performed well, after we reached a certain level. No, it says even before He made the world. So even before any of this existed, before you and I were born, God had made two decisions. The first was that He would love us no matter what. The second was that He would always see us once we gave our life to Christ, when we were in Christ, that He would see us as holy and without fault. So even before we existed, God already decided that's going to be the case. It wasn't based on what we did. It wasn't based on us being great. In fact, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were God's enemies, He sent His Son. We weren't even looking to God. We weren't even saying, God, save us. We need You. If anything, we're saying, God, we don't need You. And yet He still sent His Son to die for us in that moment. In fact, it even says in another Scripture that we might live through Him. It wasn't even a guarantee. That's how much God loved us. He sent His Son. He said, let me show you love, but then I let you choose whether you love me back. It wasn't... So it wasn't performed. It said before the world was formed, God chose to love you. God chose to see you in Christ as holy and without fault. But then he goes on in the next verse, verse five. 
He said, God decided also in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do and it gave Him great pleasure. So not only did He decide that He would love us no matter what, not only did He decide if you're in Christ, I will then see you as holy and without fault, even though we still have faults. But He also said, and also I've made a decision that I'm gonna adopt you into my family. I'm gonna make you my son and my daughter. In other words, I've made a decision that no matter what, I am always gonna be associated with you. So there's, there's no possible chance that even when we perform bad, the guy says, right, I, I disown you, I wanna disassociate myself from you. Because he already made the resolute decision, no, if you're in Christ, you're my family. You're my son, my daughter, whom I'm well pleased. It's not about your performance. It's about His love and His grace and His goodness towards us. You know, we, they say you can't choose your family. Well, God can and He still chose us. He chose us. He wants to be in intimate relationship with you. And this is how you know that the feeling of condemnation could never come from God. Because one of the first things the feeling of condemnation does is it makes you want to pull back from God. It makes you wanna run and hide from God. That guilt and shame, that's why Adam and Eve, when they committed that sin, it said they went and hid from God because it makes you wanna pull away from God where prior to that, they'd be in a close, intimate relationship with God, walking with Him in the garden every day. But as soon as condemnation, it's like, I, I gotta get away from God because I'm not, I'm not, I can't be in His presence. He's upset with me. He wants to punish me. I'm in trouble. So condemnation can't ever be from God because God will never make you feel like you have to pull away from Him. In fact, He's done everything to draw you closer to Him, to make you one with Him, to draw you into His family. He sent His Son so that you could be in intimate relationship with Him. Here's another reason why you can be certain that your performance doesn't change how God views you. Because the moment you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, God then sees you through the filter of Jesus. We'd, we'd all be familiar with the, um, that uh, uh, Instagram, right? We all know what Instagram is, I'm pretty sure. Social media platform. If you're not on it, basically you share photos on it and you can share it with your family and friends and a whole bunch of strangers you'll never meet, right? But you put your, basically you put a photo up on Instagram and um, now the thing about Instagram, the other thing you can do is it gives you the option to put a filter over that photo. So it sort of changes the way that it's viewed, right? So I'll give you an example. His, this is a, a photo of me. I know it's, that's without a filter. Can you believe that? They're amazing. Anyway, that's without a filter, right? Um, and then, so let's, let's uh, show you. So if we, for example, there, that's one with a filter. That's a HDR filter, right? Changes the, how it looks. That's a, a filter that makes it look older. Uh, what have we got? That's a cartoon filter there. And then I think there's a um, solarized filter as well, all right? So you can see how, you know, you put a filter over it and it changes the way that you view it. But there's also this filter that I've seen people use and it's a filter that can sort of remove flaws and imperfections and it makes it look, you know, almost perfect. And so, you know, let me show you what that looks like when you put it, there you go, right? So I'm literally, I'm literally one filter away from looking like Chris Hemsworth, right? Come on, all right? (laughs) 
It'd be awesome to walk around with like a filter in front of your face. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you gave your life to Christ, when you accepted Him as your Lord and Saviour, from that moment on, when it comes to God, it's, it's, it's like you received the filter of Jesus and, he, and through the filter of Jesus, all your flaws, all your imperfections, all your sin has been cleansed. It's been washed away so that now God sees you as if you have never sinned, even though we still sin. That's amazing. He, he sees us as if we have never sinned, even though we still sin. You know, the word the Bible uses to describe that state of perfection in God's eyes is righteousness. We are righteous in God's eyes, in right standing with Him, as if we have never sinned, even though we still continue to sin. And the wonderful, wonderful thing about righteousness is that Romans 5, 17 tells us that righteousness is a gift. It's not something you earn. It's not something that you are rewarded with because you perform well or you did this or that. It's a gift from God. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, He says, here's the gift of righteousness. And the most wonderful thing about God's gifts is that Romans eleven twenty nine 29 tells us that God's gifts are irrevocable. I love that so much. Once that gift is given to you, it can't be taken away. No one can come and take it away. It's yours. It is, it is part of who you are in God's eyes. He will always see you as righteous once you give your life to Jesus Christ. It's irrevocable. Now, I remember when I was 16, the keys can join me. I remember when I was 16 years old and um, just got my driver's license and bought my first car. It was a 1972 Ford Escort, right? Loved it, thought I was so cool. Anyway, uh, I had to ring up, I had to get insurance. I'd never had insurance before. Needed to insure my car and talking to the person on the phone. And, um, and they explained to me that when you first get insurance, they give you a rating. They give you a rating of five up to one. Five being, you know, you're the most high risk. You're gonna have to pay more for your premium because you've only just started driving. But, um, and number one is like the best you can get, saying, you know, you're, you're less high risk. Uh, you've been driving for a while. And so your premium's a little bit less. And so they said, well, we're gonna have to give you a rating five, the lowest rating, because you're just starting out. But they said to me, they said, you know, you start as a rating five, but if after 12 months, if after a year, you haven't had any accidents and you don't make any claims, then we'll make you a rating four. And they said, if then after another 12 months, you don't have any accidents, you don't make any claims, we'll make you a rating three. And that will keep going on until we, after five years, we can make you a rating one. And then they said, if you continue for another period of time, not making any accidents or claims, then we will award you with a rating one for life. And then they said, once you're rating one for life, you can have all the accidents and you can make all the claims you want and you'll still remain a rating one for life. Can I tell you church, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, God said, now you are rating one for life. So even if you make mistakes, even if we fall short of the mark, even if we stuff up and we all do, in God's eyes, we're still a rating one. We still are perfect. We still are, if we have never sinned, even though we have sinned. He's so gracious to us. 
when I think about where I'd be without Him, when I think about all the dumb things I've done and how I've just fallen so short of the mark and yet He never gave up on me. He never disowned me. He never said, right, you've done that too many times. I just, I can't get over that again. No, He just kept forgiving me. He kept sharing His love and His grace with me. He kept believing in me and He keeps believing in you. He is so gracious to us. He's so awesome. So here's the thing, when, when you know all of this, when you know God's heart, when you, when you see what He says, the truth of His Word, how could the weight of condemnation ever come from Him? He's not the one trying to put that on us. It's not from God. It's from the enemy. It's a lie from the pit of hell. He's just trying to hold you back. You know why? Because He knows if that person gets free, man, they're gonna do amazing things for God. If I don't stop that person, I've gotta put weight on them. I've gotta make them think that they're not good enough, that God can't use them, do that because the enemy's afraid of how God can use you of what God can do in your life if you would just get free. If you would receive, as Olivia said this morning, if you would receive the freedom of God, you don't have to strive for it. You don't have to fight for it. Jesus already did all that for us. He did it all. He did the striving. He did the fighting. He did the dying so that we just get to receive so we can live in freedom. You don't need to carry that weight anymore. You don't need to carry it for a second longer, church. If you've felt that condemnation, if you've been overcome by guilt and shame of the things you've done, you don't need to carry that. Jesus dealt with that 2,000 years ago when He nailed it to the cross. And you've received everything that you need to be able to strip that weight off and never put it on again and run the race that God has called you to run. I love what it says, and I'll finish with this. Maybe the team could join me. 1 John 3, 21 to 24. It's in the message version, it says. And friends, once that's taken care of, and we, know, we are no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, then we're bold and free before God. Then we're able to stretch out, stretch our hands out and receive what we ask for because we're doing what He said, doing what pleases Him. He said, once you stop condemning yourself, once your heart stops condemning yourself, once you stop doing that, you realise, hang on a sec, I don't need to do that. I can come freely into God's presence. I can reach out my hand and I can receive what He has for me and that, that is pleasing to Him. The most displeasing thing is to you, for you to live bound when He's come to set you free. I've come that you may have life and you may have it abundant. Abundant life. Not a life bound, not a life restricted, not a life in fear, not a life held back, not a life cowering, but a life of freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In His presence, there is freedom and joy. Don't let it rob another moment of your life. Just receive His freedom. Would you stand up on your feet with me?
I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.